Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Backpacking Podcast. I am JK and next to me as always is the ever-present, ever-wonderful Jeremiah Jerome Stringer. I'm alive. Am I allowed to say your middle name? Yeah, if you want to. That's what my friends call me. Well, it's on your Facebook page, so. J-Rome. J-Rome. Represent. That's right. So so last week we had a really fun episode going on. Yeah. And and we kind of switched back to what we were supposed to talk about, but I want to come back to it. But before we do that... I got some really cool news to talk about. Dude, hit me with it. Since we recorded our last podcast, yeah, I have lost 14 pounds. Dude, congratulations. Seriously. Yeah, man. Yeah, 14 pounds. Wow. I wonder, if that, I wonder if that... Put that up there for a second. Uh, you got to watch it on YouTube. Middle? Can we meet in the middle? Oh, there it is. Oh, we so got to overlap. <laughs> it's whatever it was. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I lost, I lost 14 pounds. Um, the wife and I both decided we needed to do something because... Um, the uh, the coronavirus has been bad for us. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's really easy, especially if you're working from home. You can yeah. eat whatever you want whenever you want. Yeah, and so yeah. Uh, so we have worked our tails off, and we've started taking something. We started doing something called Noom. Uh-huh. Um, it focuses more on uh, like the psychology of weight loss. How you spell that? N o o m. Is this a commercial? Are they paying me for this? No. No, but, but I will say I'm, I'm paying weight loss. I'm paying them to help me lose weight. <laughs> so, uh, but it's a pretty cool little project. It's a, a program that I'm in. So, yeah. uh, been doing that, and uh, I mean, a lot of that's going to be water weight because that's that's how weight loss works. That's okay though. But uh, but yeah, so we we've just started eating healthier. We've got our kids eating healthier. You know, all of that. And uh, so yeah, after talking last time about taking better care of your body and all that, I kind of hit home. So. The wife and I have decided that's more important to us than it was before. Yeah, your quality of life goes up so much if you like feel good exactly. all day. Exactly. So um, let's talk about the topic for today. What is it? Well, wait, but we do. There's one other thing we need to talk about here. Okay. There's one other thing we need to talk about. Uh oh. What do we need to talk about? Okay, so you went on your trip to Michigan. Yeah. You got to see your buddies. Yeah, the long trail buddies. You the got to go club. hang out with UGQ. You can see Chad Hogton. <laughs> Chad Hogton. He said it. He said it live, so from now on, he's Chad Hogton. I don't care what he says. So you, you got to hang out with him. Yeah. And uh, you made the comment that you were probably going to have to shave the beard when you came home. So is there any kind of verdict on what's going on with the beard? Well, first, I don't think I said I probably. We can bring back the record, but I don't think I said probably we'll have to. Okay, okay. We'll retract. But... Bridget asked me on the way home from Michigan, hey, you've done it. You showed him your beard. Are you going to shave it when you get back? And I was like, I don't know. This is a long commitment. Like it's on, We're closing in on a year, and I just got a haircut a few days ago, and they trimmed my beard. So I don't look Amish right now. 
know there's anything wrong with that. I just don't want my beard yeah, to the, look like that. The Amish make great food. If you watched uh, Bryce uh, Bryce Newbold's most yeah. recent video, he actually bought a steak and some Amish noodles for his uh, stupid ultralight trip. Yeah, Amish do all kinds of great yeah, stuff. Amish make great food. Yeah, and they're also great at framing houses too. Where Incredible I Incredible at framing yeah, houses. Yeah, and making yeah. pole barns. Great. But I just don't, I want my beard to look a different style, which is fine. But long story short, it's not going to be shaved today. But if we do uh-huh. shave it, if anybody actually cares, then I will try to film at least something silly and stupid. Well, here's my thoughts on it. And understand, they're just my thoughts, so it doesn't really mean anything in the world, right? Yeah. My thoughts are, if you're going to shave it, l- let me know. <laughs> I'll come down here, and we will live stream that sucker. <laughs> here comes the production crew. Uh, I'm just saying, we could live stream that thing, and yeah, that could be a lot of fun. I'll let you know. It could be our first live stream. Yeah, we never live streamed before. So it could be our first live stream. Could be fun. And and I I've just recently learned how to do all that stuff, so I'm... I'm kind of excited about trying it at some point, and you shaving your beard might be the best opportunity. I've let it grow for like six months before or so, and then shaved it, and I like to do like, I'll do big mutton chops with a giant goatee, and then I'll do a little goatee, just a mustache, sideburns, like oh, whatever. yeah. Try all the different ones out. Reverse mohawk that thing down the middle. No, that sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> Reverse mohawk with the worst haircut. The, oh. the worst of all haircuts. It, it could look good, maybe. Yeah. So probably we'll not. see. Probably not. No, it'll probably look awful on me. It might look good on you. Oh, nothing looks good on me. That That's that's just... <laughs> like I realized a long time ago, my wife married me for my personality. So it, it's all good. It's all good. Hey, man, I'm only here because of the looks for you. Oh, I'm blushing so, right now. Yeah, personality. It's only an inch deep right there. Yeah. I like the face. Let's move on. Uh, Okay, so last week we started talking about public lands. Yeah. And we talked about, I think it started out because I made a, I might have made a comment about, do you think that trails are in better shape now because of COVID happening, people weren't hiking as much, the foot traffic wasn't as bad. And I need to make a comment on a word I used. I said the phrase feet traffic. Feet traffic. That's not a real thing. Foot traffic is Foot traffic is a thing. Feet traffic, not a thing. I said Ooh. that. I'm I'm just going to come out and say I said it. It was wrong. And oh, official here. It's horrible, horrible English on my part. That's okay, man. People can't half the time they can't understand me. Well, that's true. That's yeah. true. Because we're all we're all linguistic racist. Lingu- yes, you are. So it's true. Yeah, it's bad. But that's okay. I'll talk to you about public lands today. What do you want to know? Well, let's talk a little bit about the importance of them. Let's talk about um, why we need to take care of them. Um, I'll just let you kind of go first. Okay. So first of all, as far as I know, of course I'm from Kentucky, different types of public lands, right? Right. So, um, there's BLM, right? Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. And that's basically where somebody's kind of managing the land that the government owns and caring for it. And then in Kentucky, the big one we have is Daniel Boone National Forest. And I would say the number one problem we have is like people, it's just so common. They grew up in it that they don't think anything about it, and they literally just like dump their trash. Like oh, yeah. if you've done the Shell Toey, um, certain sections, not even that it gets a lot of foot traffic, or as you say, feet traffic. You just, like people literally just back their vehicle up 
and then throw out all their trash into the woods. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's really frustrating. So if there's one thing I could change here, it would be like, hey, let's stop dumping our trash in the woods. Like, reduce, reuse, recycle, and what you have to throw away, they bury in landfills, which still isn't a great solution. No, it's not. There's not a great, there's not a great solution anyway because, like, your only choices are if you actually had to dispose of something, putting it in a landfill, burying it, and then it takes like thousands or millions of years to decompose. It's not getting oxygen, right? And your other one is incinerating, and then you're just putting stuff into the atmosphere. Yeah. So. Maybe we all just need to buy those tiny houses and have like one little bathroom trash can. And the only thing that you can throw in there is stuff that has to be thrown away. Everything else you have to reuse. Is that too hippie? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. no. I, t- I will tell you this, though. You were talking about the trash thing. And I, I know for me, the trash. The oh, Did you hear that noise that that just made when I moved the mic? Sounds good, man. It's all springy. Um the uh, the thing I noticed was when I was hiking the Sheltoe and I was going through uh, the area near uh, Cumberland Falls. Yeah, big touristy location. I mean, that was a mess, dude. There's car, there's kids' cars, there's yeah. camping chair. Been there for years it too. Blew my mind the stuff. I mean, I I did a video hiking to that area. Mm-hmm. It was um, it was actually my first ever solo hike. I hiked from an area called Yamacraw up to Cumberland Falls over two days. It's a beautiful hike. It's about 32 miles, I think, for two mm-hmm. days. And uh, hiked up through there. Um, and I remember getting just a couple miles from Lake Cumberland, and all of a sudden you started seeing the trash. I mean, like, full-size paint cans, like the ones for your house. Yeah. Like, I don't know what you're painting out in the woods. Um, Nothing. Blazes. Yeah. And then you've got, you've got black... Um, like the black buckets you see at like hardware stores and stuff. Yeah, the five gallon ones. You got, uh, like you said, there were like little kids' cars. Yeah, like there was a little pink Hot Wheels car, like a kid can actually ride on. Yeah, it's like the one with the big batteries. That's, yeah, yeah, you can buy at Walmart for like a hundred, two hundred dollars, and you get in and press. It's only got the two pedals. Yeah, little and, kids. And I was also seeing, um, there was there was like a campsite with a fire pit and chairs left there. Yeah, those chairs have been there. Like, I grew up here. Yeah. I've been here. I don't know why I haven't carried them out. They're all broken down. It's like nobody's going to use it. But it's obvious somebody was there because there was a bunch of new beer cans in where the yeah. fire was. Instead of packing their beer cans out with them, they just throw them on the ground and leave them out there. Yeah. I don't know who they are, but they don't care. But like I said, I think it's cultural. Like, we can go and pick up all the trash, and I really I would advocate highly for, you know, doing like a community and they do one every year like cleaning up the area like they clean up the road from like where you turn to go to Cumberland Falls all the way down and they yep. like bring in buses of people and they all pick up you know gallons and gallons of trash and and take these and dispose of them but the the problem doesn't go away until you actually educate people and have a shift in the culture because then all you're doing is just cleaning up somebody's trash it's for eternity yeah so yeah. I think the only thing that we can do is have civil discourse. Like what we're doing right now, we may not be doing much, just having a conversation about it. Right. But maybe it will spark something in some people, and it leads to greater things. Well, I know whenever I go out backpacking, um, I always try to make a point of bringing an extra gallon Ziploc bag. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of that gallon Ziploc bag is to pick up trash. 
Yeah. And, and I try and I try and pack out with me. If I see trash laying on the trail or something, I try and pick that up, throw it in that Ziploc bag and take it with me. Yeah. That way uh, I'm at least doing my part. Like that one piece of trash may not be huge in the grand, se- the grand scheme of things, but if there's several hundred or even a thousand people out doing the exact same thing, mm-hmm. then you're going to really clean up the area really nicely and – we're going to make this land that we love so much, which is why we do this podcast, because we love being on that land. Yeah. Um, we make it much more pleasant. We, we're we treating it better, and we're making it better for future generations, too, because I've got two kids, and I want them to enjoy the backcountry as much as I do. Sure. Yeah, and I don't know, man. It's really... It's really about the culture, and my little part is I'll do the same thing, but I try to make it a point, even if there's not like excess trash or, you know, you see it laying around, but I'll try to pick up at least one piece of trash every day that I'm on trail, and if everybody would just pick up one, like I got a friend that every single can that we see, every single like candy wrapper, anything like that, she always picks it up. Like she will, she'll be like, all right, I'm dropping my backpack. I'm going over this hill and getting that can. Right. And I'm like, wow, that's very inspiring, you know. But if everybody would just do a little tiny piece or just, like, not throw your trash. There's the big one. Yeah. Just don't throw your trash <laughs> on the ground. That would solve it. I, I, I That, to me, it just it's, it's mind-boggling to me that somebody would think that just leaving your trash is okay. Well, I, it's, if, a, it, it's different, I think, if you've got paper trash and you're going to burn it in the campfire. Yeah. I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, I don't want you burning plastic in the campfire because yeah, the carcinogens. Yeah, that's not that's not good for anybody, and that's going to hurt people beyond where that campfire is. Yeah. Um. But I, I just don't leave your trash everywhere. I mean, my parents when they raised me, they didn't want me to leave my room a mess. They didn't want when I walked out of the living room to leave all my junk in the living room when I played there. And I'm trying to teach that to my kids right now. I was like. So I'm trying to figure out what are parents teaching kids? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, just, it's okay. When you get done eating, just leave all your crap out. Somebody else will take care of it. Yeah. I'm not your mom. Yeah. I, I don't, <laughs> I'm not adopting any of you people. But I don't want to just sit and complain. I like, I, I like to like at least propose solutions. Right. So right. What, what we need to do and we each do our part is have conversations but you can't be demeaning either. Like no. some people are so virtue signaling and you have to, you have to build relationships. We like to call those people Karen. <laughs> you just dated the podcast episode. People don't be Karen. Don't be a Karen. Let me talk to your manager. Don't, don't be Karen. Yeah. So you have to, you have to just have normal conversations yeah. like us and you can't just like, Walk up and yell somebody, yell at somebody if they throw like uh, something on the ground. You know, have a conversation. You, you don't yell at him. You just hit him in the face. Yeah, full fist to face. Full fist to a face. That's what we do. That's yeah. Um, that's why. Uh, that's why I like taking uh, Mr. Backpacking with Jason, sir. <laughs> he said he asked me. He's a pit fighter, said, man. That guy can do it. He said, "Why does he always call me that?" <laughs> that's what he asked me. I was in Colorado with him, and he was like. Man, he always calls me Jason Wall, and nobody knows whose channel that is. He's like, I'm backpacking with Jason. <laughs> I haven't called him Jason Wall. I usually now say Jason from backpacking with Jason. That's good, yeah. So, but that's yeah. his name. <laughs> that is, yeah. That's actually why I changed my backpacking channel's name to John Kelly because I got tired of being called JK is hiking. I still think it's a good name, but John Kelly's even better. That's my actual name. So, yeah. it's just weird when somebody walks up to you and goes, Hey, JK is hiking. And I'm like, That's not my name. 
Yeah, but now you you have that like you have the online personality. I know, I know. Oh, so man. now people say, "Hey, John Kelly." Yeah, and it's normal, and it's normal, and I like yeah. it. I like it. So it all it is sometimes a little bit weird though. Like, um, do people call you Jeremiah Stringer Hikes? No, <laughs> hi, Mister Hikes. How are you doing, Mister Hikes? <laughs> they say Jeremiah, but like sometimes people like not not very often. I mean, I'm not like even a touch close to famous nothing like that i'm just right. like a normal guy just like literally everybody else in this world right there's nothing special about me i'm just doing my job having a good time yeah right but sometimes people somebody will like know you you don't know them and you know they've watched you like on on youtube and so it feels like they know you i think maybe we talked to darwin about this but it's a little bit weird. I don't remember if he talked about it on air, but well, he did. He said he said on the more uh, at least on the more popular trails, he can't walk very far without people wanting to talk to him. It's got to be frustrating, yeah, because you're out wear... there to hike. You're not out there to like, and it's nothing against. It's it's exciting that people would recognize you and want to yeah. talk to you. But it's like, man, I've got to get these miles in today, and I've got to get to such and such campsite or such and such shelter, yeah. and uh, nobody's letting me hike. Well, he's doing like thirty miles, you oh, know, he's doing a as a normal day. Yeah. yeah, so you can imagine stopping. Anyway, that was that's off the off the the cuff there. But, but the reason I brought that up is Jason's a pit fighter. Like he's he's trained in, in mixed martial arts. Yeah. So I like backpacking with him because then he'll hit people in the face if they throw the trash on the ground. Yeah, you know who's really trained? Karate Josh. Karate. I've heard that. Oh my gosh, that guy's built like an ox. Yeah, and I heard he can go when it comes to hiking, dude. We, so we're in Colorado. I try not to get too off topic, but whatever. It's our podcast, man. I'm going to talk about whatever I want. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I want to have a good time. So anyway, we were in Colorado, and we flew from Kentucky. We actually flew from Cincinnati Airport. Flew from Cincinnati Airport. Which is in Kentucky. It is in Kentucky. Yeah, Jason was saying, we're getting screwed on this, man. This is in Kentucky. Like You're not even across the river into Ohio, and you're flying out. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> I don't even know why that's a big uh, deal, but okay. I think it's a big deal because all the money that's coming from there, if that's going to Ohio... It's not. It's going to Kentucky. Okay, good. Because yeah. they call it like Northern Kentucky Cincinnati Airport, so I figured yeah. they split it That's because nobody knows, like Northern Kentucky could be half the yeah. state. It's so. like Florence. What do you mean, Florence? Y'all? Yeah. yeah you, okay. No, that's confusing. Uh, that's a story for another day. I got a, I got a story for another day about Florence. <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll yeah. get to it. Yeah. We got plenty of time. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway... So we were in Colorado, and where I live is about 900 feet, like where you're sitting right now, right. above sea level. And we flew from Cincinnati Airport, CVG, to um, Chicago, had a layover, and then flew to Denver. And okay. they call Denver the Mile High City because it's a little above 5,000 feet, right? And that's, uh, you know, 5,280 miles is, or feet is a mile. So we went from 1,000 feet to roughly 5,000. Got a, like we drove, we got a rental car and drove to the trailhead about an hour away from it. And then all of a sudden we were at like 11,000 feet, 10,000 feet, something like that. And then we spent the night and we got up the next day and drove actually to the, uh, the trailhead and met up with Serial Photog and then just started hiking. Like the day before I was at a thousand feet and all of a sudden the next day, I'm at 12,200 feet, you know, or 11,500 feet actually starting the hike. 
and it is so hard. Like I walk, I don't know, a hundred feet, fifty feet, right? And then you're walking uphill, and all of a sudden you're out of breath, and you're like, "Wait, I'm not in terrible shape. Like maybe not the best shape of my life." You're but definitely not in John Kelly shape. <laughs> no, you're in good shape, man. You look great. That is, that is a lie. It's but truth. I appreciate it. Moneymakers up here, I man. Appreciate it. So. Anyway, we keep hiking in Karate Josh. His his channel name is Josh Herod Outdoors. Right. And um, he's hiking, and he's not stopping. And you're just like, bro, how in the world? Like, the air feels so thin. It's like breathing through a coffee straw. And then, you, you know, you're dealing with altitude sickness and, like, nausea. Yeah. And you're like... You know, it's like it's like being half drunk from the time yeah. you like start hiking to the time you start descending elevation. Your yeah. brain's all cloudy. Your muscles aren't working great. Yeah, you're like I don't feel like myself. You have to walk slow. You yeah, have I no did, choice. Man. You have to walk slow. Um, Devin Ashby said the same thing about him when he went to Utah. Like when he oh, went down karate? to Utah, yeah, he no stop. He, he said he said the guy was a beast. Yeah, he said he just never stopped. So. Yeah, maybe we can just get him to come with us, and then he can punch people in the face when they <laughs> Dude, throw trash on the ground. I'm not messing with that guy. He's a black belt. I know. In, I think, Muay Thai, which Probably. is a, that's a striking sport. Oh, yeah, he's he's brutal, dude. Yeah. He's brutal. But but back to the topic we were talking about before, the whole yeah, sure. trash thing, which turned into mis- mixed martial arts and not being able to breathe. Dude, you never know where it's going. Yeah, it's, it's unscripted. That's, that's kind of our, our thing. But, uh, you know, it's... There aren't many things that make me angry. I'll just I'll I'll just start by saying that there's not many things that make me angry. Mm-hmm. But when I get out into the woods and I just see trash dumped, like not even like okay, it's a wrapper. Okay, I'll pick that up. I'm not. Yeah. But when I see like an entire bag full of stuff dumped and the bag that it was in sitting next to it, yeah, man, I'm seeing red because well, it just it it frustrates me um, yeah, as a was- backpacker to to go out and want to spend time. In the backcountry, and I'm seeing it being so grossly misused sure. and abused and treated poorly. And here's the thing, too: if we want our local governments to pour more money into the backcountry and into our public lands, um, they don't want to do it at a place where it looks like a, a trash dump. Yeah, it's because harder. They don't. They don't want people from out of state coming to that. Yeah, and so it actually, when we're doing that, we're actually working against ourselves. When yeah. we put that trash out there, we're working against ourselves, and we're making it even harder for our local governments to be like, "Yeah, we want to spend our money on that dung heap over there." You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it just makes it harder. It does. It really, really does. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is, but I, I think I think for me. Um, I think one of the biggest deals for me is the fact that uh, people do it with no remorse. It's like they take their kitchen trash and just throw it out of the back of the truck. Yeah. Yeah. It's really disappointing. And and so, yeah, so there's my soapbox for the day. <laughs> I'll try to there's, get there's off of it, There's my soapbox. I got to get off it because I could, I could get real preachy real quick, and I don't want to do that. But I will say this. Um, I love seeing people like Darwin, like Devin. Uh, some other guys that we know who really care about public lands and they care about them in such a way that um, they put their money where their mouth is. Yeah, they're actually giving back, especially Darwin with uh, doing his. People don't know. They think that like you get 
a bunch of subscribers on YouTube. You start making a bunch of money. You're getting sponsorships and deals and stuff. But in reality, the, most of the time, the people who are successful are really passionate about what they're doing and they're not doing it so that they can make a living off of it. That's like a bonus. Like it doesn't matter if you're going to film something or not. If you love backpacking, you're going to go out and do it and you're going to help try to, you know, preserve that environment. Right. And so Darwin with his, um, his documentary, he is into the, into the great Southwest, right? Yeah, into the great Southwest. Yeah. And have I, you watched it yet? Yeah. I bought it and oh, I watched so it. So good. It was fantastic. So good. And people like, if they listen to the podcast, I don't know how, how often he's talked about this, but in ours, he talked about where the money's going. Yeah. It's not like he's, he made a million dollars off of this thing that he poured so much time into, you know, he, he's given a ton of it back and he's investing it into actually making more so that he can keep giving money. People don't understand how underfunded these public lands are. Oh yeah. It's like yeah. people, you may have heard me say this before, but the, the governing bodies who are in charge of these lands, it's not like it's a collective. They, that are out to destroy these lands. It just so happens that the bigger government gets, the more powerful it wants to become and the more money it wants to make. And that's just part of the machine. Like that's been the history of government since it existed 10,000 years ago. And it's one of the things that has made America uh, such a great place to live, Mm -hmm. but it can also go too far and it can be something that can make it a hard place to live as well. Well, when you get that machine going, it's nothing personal against no, any specific absolutely person. Not. That's just the reality of the way that it, the system works. Right. And when that happens, what happens is the the governing body in charge of the land wants to make money from the land. And so what they're going to do is they're going to find a way to do that. And the way that we do that in the U.S. a lot of times is logging. And they will log out an area. And my buddy who... Um, you know, he, he has a forestry degree, so I assume he knows what he's talking about. He worked in forestry for years. He's like, dude, there's nothing wrong with taking a section of Daniel Boone National Forest and logging it out and replanting, and in your lifetime, it'll oh, that'd be, be back. great. Yeah. Yeah, and they do control burns so that, you know, you're preserving, you're, you're getting rid of all the debris that's natural on the ground. So the forest doesn't burn it. They're doing a lot of great things and there's nothing wrong with logging. I mean, you wouldn't have a bed to lay on. Yeah, you wouldn't have a house to live in. Yeah. It's, You've got to have some kind of logging. So that's fine, right? That's a new renewable resource, but you have to do it right. Right. And you, it's so severely underfunded that in some places it's logged out, it's strip mined, and then it is just a desert desolate. The vegetation is not there. You can't enjoy it. And future generations aren't going to have it. So we we don't have enough people. I think sometimes DNR or like fish and wildlife, sometimes they get a bad rap. But imagine trying to do your job, except it's supposed to be like a 500 employee job and there's three of you. And that's more common than people realize. Oh, it's so that's, bad. That's way more common than people realize. Um, I had a friend who's, whose dad worked in, in fish and wildlife and – um, his job, it was, it was like he would get up at five o'clock, take off at five 30 to be at work at six and he'd get off work at five. And so he, you know, it's 11 hours and he was doing it five days a week. And then, uh, 
There's no, it's, it's, you know, like with teaching, you work big hours, but you get those summers where you don't have to work, which is yeah, the nice vacation. bonus there. But imagine doing that with no, no time off, you know, really. And mm-hmm. I think he had two weeks of vacation. And so he was working his tail off constantly and, uh, but getting really not paid well. It'll burn you out. It's not that, you know, money for me is not the biggest motivator. It never like, should be. Yeah. If you're, if you're doing something just for the money, that's that's fine, but sometimes it like that's like kind of psychopath, sociopath type deal. Really, if you want to have a fulfilling life, you need to find your passions and follow those. No matter as long as you can actually you know live on the money you're making, but you have to have at least enough money that it motivates you, and you have vacation time, and you're not getting burned out. And it sounds like that like that's you you you'll hear that story a million times. You yeah, know? you're right, and. I think some people think that, um, you know, wildlife officers, they're just out to find people so they can write them a ticket and make the state more money. Now, I can promise you, state workers have no desire to give you a ticket. No, they, there is certain things we need to do. There's nothing wrong with, um, if, if you want to kill a deer and you're okay with that, that's perfectly fine with me as long as you're doing it responsible. And, you know, I deer hunt. It's right. A, to me, you know, it gives you a connection. But there's nothing wrong with me having to, if I'm going to go hunt public lands, buying tags to hunt on it because somebody has to maintain the land. And then especially if they're taking that money and putting it back toward making sure the deer population is going to be there for me to hunt in the future so that I can feed my family. Right. It The the, the wildlife officer isn't out there to just be like, this person didn't buy a deer tag. Oh, yeah, they're going to jail today. No. Like they're not being out there being malicious. No, no, it's it's definitely. I've met a lot of people who who do that work. I've met a lot of uh, game wardens and and all that. And um, if anything, they're some of the nicest people I've ever met. Yeah, they're passionate about the outdoors. Yeah, they really just they just want they want everything to be taken care of. Yeah, and they don't want anybody cheating. Yeah, I mean that's really what it comes down to. I mean it's 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 not so much that they're trying to bust you. It's just they don't want you working the system either because other people aren't. And it's not right for other people to do things the legal way and you just to do it the way you feel like doing and get away with it. It's it's really – that's not the way the system should work. It should work out that we're all doing our part to do it the right way. And I, I think it comes back to taking care of public lands is you, you do it the right way. You do it the right way and they're going to be here for a long time because of it. Yeah. It, it's just ironic to me. That you, we have a service that, like the National Forest Service, who, where it's just become part of the system where their job is to build roads to inaccessible places. And I'm not saying this like to any specific employees, it's just part of the system. Right. But their job is to build roads to inaccessible places so you can log it out to make money. I don't know. There's just something that feels dirty about it, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think I think for people who are outdoors people, we just don't like it when people mess with the outdoors. Yeah. If we're just being, I mean, if we're being honest. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with feeling that way. I don't necessarily think that makes us more right than anybody else either. But for me personally, it's like, man, we've got so many cities. We've got so many towns. We've got so many places that have been logged out or cleaned out and have been used for other things. They're just some places. I don't want to see them touched. 
There's yeah. just the great thing about being outdoors is it reminds you of how the earth is like naturally, like like how it's a, how it was created to be, you know, and and so for me. I don't want. I just don't want to see them logging it. I just want to see them leave it alone. <laughs> yeah, you know. Does that mean they're wrong for doing it? No. It just means I don't want to see it. Um, but I think the danger because there's a two there's two sides to everything. I think the danger for a lot of outdoor enthusiasts is we get all hyped up and we throw a fit when things aren't the way we want them, even if it's not wrong. Right. So I think there's a there's a delicate balance there. But I would dare say you talk to most people who who love the outdoors the way we do, and they just don't want it touched. We just kind of want it left alone because we love it that way. But there's certain I still feel, you know, I say like don't virtue signal and all this, but I still feel like I am, and I feel like a hypocrite because I can't. It's like the pot, you know, the pot calling the kettle black because here I am advocating for preservation. But at the same time, like we're sitting in a house in an area that's been logged out and the right. same the same wood that is being logged out is what built this house. And then I'm going into the woods and I'm doing backpacking, which is it's a great activity. But at the same time, you gotta take a bunch of stuff with you and the trail has to be maintained. So you're all you're you're changing the environment and you're altering it, even if it's as simple as raking debris out of the way or putting in stacks of rocks to prevent erosion so the trail doesn't wash out Mm -hmm. so i don't know like there's that guilt thing i I, see i don't i'm different i don't deal with that kind of guilt yeah uh because you know what i didn't do most of that stuff you know you're still using it exactly but i think (laughs) but here's the thing here i can't feel guilty for something that happened 800 years ago. I know, but we're, advo- ago. we're advocating for the maintaining of... Of what we have left that wasn't touched. No, but even the trails, like new trails, like say that I want to reroute... Sheltowee has how many miles of road walking? Oh, way too many. Yeah, well, give me a number. Give me any estimate. 140 miles. Okay, so let's say 40 miles, and we don't want to road walk that 40 miles, right. even if it was one mile. Right. So we say, hey, let's move that into the woods. Now all of a sudden that's here's not the a thing, trail. But, but here's the thing, they're not making new trails. They're connecting to existing trails. I know, but we can't live our life just saying we have no new trails now for the rest of eternity. But most of the trails that we already have are taking up a lot of our world. There's not a lot of new trails being made actually. A lot of a lot of trails are being connected with other ones. Even the Appalachian Trail connects up with other trails all along the way. Yeah, I know. But and my point is is like it's hard for me to not feel guilty if I'm advocating for keeping things the same. But also at the same time changing the environment. Like, how do you deal with that? How how badly are we changing the environment by putting a trail in? I don't think it's a measure of how much. It's that you're doing it. Period. Yeah. I don't know. How do you how I, do you sleep at night, John? I, I Kelly? have no problem with it personally because I because I think if if there are no trails, people don't go out. They don't enjoy the outdoors. I, and so then the outdoors yeah, is just. The outdoors. It's just random stuff sitting around. And some people, maybe they like it that way and they think that, but I really do want to get out and enjoy the outdoors. Yeah. And and so without the trails, guess what doesn't happen? You and then and then there. why would the government put money into something that nobody cares about because they don't go into it anyways? Without yeah. the trails, we can't protect the land. Without the trails, people aren't going to go out. And so if people aren't going to go out, then why would they protect something that people don't care about? And so I think I think the trails are actually a necessity for people to want land saved. 
Yeah, I could see that point. At the same time, though, I don't want to uh, have a limited worldview on it because I know... Limit it, man. Limit it. Shrink it. Just Daniel Boone National Forest, nothing else. as small as you can. (laughs) You know, if you look at the big picture, like the the wilderness in Colorado was completely different than the wilderness here versus in Utah. Like if, if we're meeting up with Devin and you're hiking through a desert, right? like the trail... In Colorado, at some points, like there is no trail. Like you look at the rock cairns, and you know people here will get pissed off about rock cairns. They're like, "Oh, you're destroying the micro ecosystem. You're messing up, blah blah blah." And that's if that's their point of view, that's fine. But in some places, cairns are a necessity. Like you go through a boulder field, there's literally no trail. Yeah. Can yeah. I can I ask a question for those people that freak out about rock cairns? Oh God, don't email me. What, email John. What What do they do with animals that move rocks around? I mean, so are the animals now destroying the environment? <laughs> well, it's like, a are they destroying? Slope. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, you, I, I think there comes a point where you can just take it too far, and and I think it's like with anything, man. Like, I have friends that are vegans, and they're awesome, and I know other vegans. I don't ever want to talk to them because all they want to talk about <laughs> is the fact that they're vegans. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, people, I get it. I people get it. sometimes can take something. That's not a big deal, and mm-hmm. I can make anything a big deal if I want to. Yeah. I could tell you right now by wearing that Star Wars thing right now that you are supporting Disney and everything they've done to ruin the Star Wars saga over the last five to ten years. Yeah. And and talk to you about the fact that Disney is destroying everything in America right now. And I could go down this whole list. I don't believe any of that, mind you. If you're watching this, no. I love Star Wars and I love Disney, but uh, – but do you get what I'm saying? Like we can take yeah. it too far, and I think that's the danger. That's the slippery slope. It's not. At what point are we becoming uh, negative towards the land as much as it is as what's actually negative to the land? Yeah, and you know, there. Here's the problem with humans. Right, this is hard to articulate, but I'll do my best. You got it, bro. You're smart. We as humans, what we want is simple answers. To complex questions, and we want to know where the boundary is so that we can be comfortable living inside that boundary. And then you have some people who, like, they're thinking outside the box, and that's good. It expands the boundaries, but it's always a moving target. Yeah. And as time progresses, you know, the the line is going to move. And sometimes something you've done in the past was okay, and you had a rationale. All of a sudden, 20 years from now, you know, all of a sudden that line has moved left or right or forward Washington or Redskins. Yeah, the Redskins. They the Washington just Redskins. That's the best changed. example of that. Yeah, and, you know, in history, nobody had a problem with it. And then now, you know, it's 2020, and they've went through a review, and they're changing their logo, and they're changing their name. Yeah, well, when they, when they initially named them the Redskins, a lot of people don't know this, but they were actually – there was an Indian chief who was excited because they were going to be represented – yeah, in an American sport, and talk about a severely underrepresented, misman like yeah, land mismanaged for the people. Yeah, like, they they were excited that there was a team that was going to be named representing them. Yeah, fast forward 50, 60, 70 years, and that name might as well be the N word for for the Native Americans. Yeah. It's it's changed so yeah. much. It's just it's a change in 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 the vernacular uh, of what people say, and sure. so because of that. Um, it, it's time for them to change the name of the team. And there's nothing there's nothing wrong with trying to hit a new target. I mean, you still have to, you know, obviously remember history and right, you know, and and understand. But 
it's it's the same thing for us as humans at the bit as the big picture. Like since we want those simple answers, what we do is we get to a position where we're like, okay, here's the line. Don't let me cross it. You know, I need to live in this space. And sometimes that's a tool, but at other times you make this slippery slope where you're like, oh, how far do I take this? Since like, like you said with the Star Wars, yeah, you know, Disney could be a monster. You know, you could talk about people's lives that Disney has ruined, or you could talk about the human trafficking that happens at Disney since there's so many kids. Like, right. there's so many terrible things. At the same time, you know, Disney's not a person that's evil. Well, I, I think a lot of it, and I, I I blame social media for a lot of things. Yeah. And I feel like we have more people who are looking for a cause because they feel like if they don't have a cause, they there's something wrong with them. Well, humans need I a mean, cause, though. It, yeah, but it seems like it's, in the last 10 years, it's way further than it's ever been. And um, I, I know for a fact... Uh, when I was, when I was younger, um, one of the things that I was dealing with was trying to figure out who I am and what I want to be. And I don't remember myself ever thinking, um, I want to get into some kind of a charity organization or I wanted to do something that's all about helping other people in other country. I just wanted to find meaning and purpose for myself. Yeah. But now when someone's birthday comes up on Facebook, what's the first thing they do? What do they I do, want. Huh? I want everybody to give money towards this cause that I have. Oh yeah, they do. That's and a built-in feature. It's for a Facebook. built-in feature now for Facebook, and everybody does it. You know how much money people make off of those now? I have no idea. I never tried it. Next to nothing because everybody's doing it. Yeah. And so what's happened is everybody's cause is the most important cause to them. Mm-hmm. But the problem is the most important cause for you may not be the most important cause for me or for yeah. that person over there. And so what ends up happening is everybody has a cause, so nothing happens for most causes. And uh, we have to be careful how far we take these causes sometimes. I think we need to take things and strip away all the craziness and get to the base level. I mean, you look at racism right now in America. Mm-hmm. It's a base level thing. It, if all you do is talk about cop violence, you're missing it. Yeah. If all you talk about is the, sis, the systematic racism, that, that doesn't hit it either. Mm-hmm. What it comes down to is what's happening in the home. Yeah. Everything comes back to the home. And if racism is being taught in the home, racism will always exist. And and so everything has to be brought down to a base level. It has to be brought down to its its roots. You don't want to you don't want to put a band-aid on a, a sliced artery. You know, that's not gonna fix yeah. it. It's still gonna bleed. You're not gonna see it, but it's dying inside. And uh, I think a lot of people with their causes, they get caught up in all the little minute things, but they don't look at the base important thing, which was kind of what I was getting at earlier with the whole Karen thing. Yeah. That that's in the grand scheme of things, that's really doing nothing. Okay, right. let's just be honest. Yeah. And if there's somebody out there you're getting mad at me right now, it's okay. I got thick skin. <laughs> I've had people mad at me my whole life, but the, the truth is, it, it's really not doing anything. It's, but when you start, you start taking these big sections of public land where people are able to go out and be in nature, where people can go hunting because it's a very natural thing. That's how the deer population is controlled is through hunting. Mm-hmm. And there's certain years you're not allowed to hunt as much, and there's certain years they want you to hunt more. The reason why is because we want the ebb and flow of that that population to be healthy. Sure. Too overpopulated, you're going to have people having car accidents because deer running in the road. Uh, you're going to see trees getting destroyed because of all the deer messing up the trees and eating everything and uh, so you've got to have control. Right. Um, and so with the outdoors, we need to look at it as what do we need to preserve? 
That that's the main thing here is like, what do we need to preserve so that there is an outdoor space for people? Well, it's so hard. It's so hard. Not just for like people. I mean, for me, like there's nothing special about me. It's not like I have some grand perspective. We're just sitting here talking. I think your perspectives are always grand. (laughs) I think y'all sleep good tonight. I I think you have grand perspectives. (laughs) But my point is, is people die at such in a such a short window. You know, you don't know if like if you're born, you don't know if you're going to die one sec, like one millisecond into your life. Or 120 years into your life at this point, like you have no idea, and there's so much chance. It's so hard to to get me or anybody just with the human psyche to buy into something that's so long term. Because something we have to understand is, you know, we we have one Earth, and yeah, we're working on expanding to other planets at this point, and that's awesome yep. too. But we have one Earth, and it's going to be here for a long time. And it's all a matter of how is it going to look? What resources are you going to have? And that turns into, well, I don't want to be selfish. And at the same time, I want to live my life and have a good life. So, like, where, like, how do I go with this? You know, I'm only going to be here for a short amount of time. And we don't even think about, hey, if my life's 100 years and the earth is going to be here in a thousand years, like, what how big is my part right so right. it's it's hard to buy into that collective whole when the span of time is so short in relation to the universe well and and to get straight to it i mean and, and i don't want this to be a huge downer of a, of a podcast yeah because this is heavy stuff because it it's something we care about yeah I, I would say we we both care about this greatly um I, what it comes right down to is you should enjoy the life you're living yeah you should enjoy the life you're living. And if there are things in your life that you love and you're passionate about, you should chase after those loves and those passions. And if you're passionate about public lands, for instance, which is what we're talking about today, sure. um, what are you doing to make that better so that your enjoyment of public lands is even more? Because I will tell you this, um, giving money to the Sheltoy Trace Association mm-hmm. makes me want to hike the trail more because now I feel like I'm a part of it. Yeah, It matters more to me because I'm part of of the organization that is keeping that up and I'm putting money in that's being used to keep the trail nice and to keep the surrounding area nice. Um, and I, I think a lot of people want to complain and say, well, this isn't happening. This isn't happening. But my question always is, what are you doing to make it better? Sure. And so I think we would both agree. The best thing any of us can do is if we're passionate about this stuff is to put our money where our mouths are. And say, if you believe that public lands should be taken care of, if you believe that this stuff um, should should be made public so that we can use it, then what are you doing to be a part of it? Yeah. Are you going out with crews that are, like you said, picking up trash? Are you uh, are you going out with some of the – I know with the Sheltoy Trace Association, they have groups that go out with weed eaters and with uh, poison ivy spray and stuff like that, and they're cleaning the trail up for people. Um there's so much that you can do to be a part of the solution of making public lands better. And it, it's it's great to talk about it, but what's actually being done? Because I'm an action guy. I, I, I like talking a lot, but I also like doing things, you know? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm very passionate about the world water crisis. I believe it's it's saddening to me that there are thousands of children dying every single year from diarrhea because they just don't have clean water. You know, yeah. I mean – that kind of stuff kills me. And so 
when I hiked to Kilimanjaro, I raised nine thousand dollars to build wells. You know, that was that was a passionate thing for me. I raised about fifteen hundred dollars more uh, when I did the Sheltoe Trace to go towards that um, because I'm passionate about that and I want to see those things taken care of. And if you want to, if you're passionate about a cause, if you're passionate about something you believe in, what are you doing to make it better? Yeah, and, and I think that's the real key for today. What whatever that cause is, like we talked about earlier, we've got the whole thing with the Washington Redskins. If you're passionate about people treating Native Americans better, what are you doing to help with that? If you're passionate about fighting racism, what are you doing to take care of that? You know what what are you doing with the passion that's instilled inside of you to make it better? And I think that's that's the real, I think that's the real kicker for what we all need to be doing is find that thing we're passionate about and go after it. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like a gut punch. Like yeah. we all need to sit down and me more than anybody else, sit down and think about what actions are you taking to progress toward the outcome that you want. Yeah. And whatever it is. Yeah, and I've even, you know, I've I've talked to Steve Barber from the Sheltoe Trace. And I if you guys get tired of hearing me talk about the Sheltoe Trace, <laughs> sorry. I absolutely love that trail. Um, but uh but I talked to Steve Barber, the director, and one of the things that I'm working on right now is um doing some merchandise stuff for my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And 10% of every purchase is going to go to the Shell Toy Trace. Sure. So, um, you know, that's that's something I'm personally going to do. Now, that's not 10% of what I make, which is like half of what actually gets I'm saying 10% of the cost. So if you spend $15 on something, then a buck 50 is going to go to the Shell Toy Trace. Yeah. Um, I even worked it in with him where for, for my, some of my T-shirts, they're actually going to have the Shell Toy Trace logo on them. Um because I want to do something to give back. Yeah. You know, and uh, anything you can do like that is is going to be helpful. And it's going to be, people are going to be very thankful for it. So I think so too. Um, they might, they might, they might not even know like that you're committing to the cause, but yeah. you giving back is giving them a better experience in the back country. Yeah. Well, and, and for the people doing these trail associations, you were talking about being underfunded and you're talking yeah. about, being underappreciated, man, people who work for trail associations are way underfunded and they are way underappreciated. Yeah. A lot are and just volunteer. When we say underfunded, we mean no funded. I was going to say, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I could be wrong. I don't know anybody personally who works for a trail association that's actually paid. Yeah. Um, I, doing, it's your passion. Yeah. It's what you care about. And so these people are volunteers who just love the trail and they want to see it taken care of. That was one of the things about Darwin's thing that was so awesome was seeing that the guy who built the um, uh, the cast iron gates. Oh, I love that he put the uh, on every gate. He welded the the logo. Yeah, or like the, he almost got teary eyed talking about you know he yeah, got teary eyed talking Trail. about it, and he was so excited. And he he did that for free. Yeah, it's just one thing that he had in his tool, like his metaphorical tool set. Yeah, you know that he could do to help. And it branded it, yeah, and it, which is incredible. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. And and so, if you're listening today, literally, there's so much you can do for your trails and your trail associations that you may not even realize that you've been able to do the whole time. Yeah. Um. So I know my buddy, uh, the Flash, Brian Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Um. He's making trail signs. You I know, love as, that. You just just for people to buy, but he's also had trails talk to him about potentially making the trails for those 
or making these signs for those trails. Oh, like the physical, like, hey, I'm, I'm in the Smokies. Yeah, like the sign says, go this way or this way. This sign's falling apart. We need a new one. Yeah. Brian may be the guy that starts doing those trail signs. Just a little thing. Yeah. But it means so much. Think about how many people's lives without that, you know, how many people would have taken the wrong turn? I've been there. <laughs> I've been there so many Wait, times. you've been lost on a trail? <laughs> never in my life. It's never happened before. I, I think, I, I honestly think that that um, Jeremiah has been lost in more videos than uh, maybe Dan Becker. I, I, I could know. be, That's I could be hard... wrong about that. I mean, I, I've been wrong before, but I could be wrong on that. But you might have been lost more often than Dan Becker. That's a hard uh, metric to analyze. I don't yeah. know, Dan. He's directionally challenged. Yes, but he's going to be on the podcast soon. We're working. I, I, I've been chatting with him this week, and uh, now for those of you guys who want to know, Dan is a good friend of both of ours. And uh, Dan Berger, good dude, Mount real Lacan. good dude. Uh, we both had the chance to go backpacking with him. Uh, great guy, great guy, a lot of fun. But he is directionally challenged, and he, he will is. admit that. He admits that in his videos. Yeah, um, we need to work on his compass and map skills. Yeah, that's what I need to do. That's my little part. Ooh, ooh, you're gonna, you're gonna mentor dan well it worked out good last time for him that's true that's true that's true so uh well man this has been almost an hour long yeah man this was this was a good topic and if just if this is your first time ever listening to our podcast it's usually not this heavy Um, no it's not normally it's a lot harder and it's fun i've still had fun it's a fun it's important message yeah for people to get and for me to self-reflect you know, it's just important for me to think about these things as to like come on here and talk about it to somebody who may or may not be listening. Yeah. And I, I think my biggest thing is if there was anything to get from this is don't be a Karen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, Karen. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's one thing to like open your mouth and yell at everybody for doing something wrong. But what are you doing? Instead of focus on what other people aren't doing, it's really important that we focus on ourselves and what we can do. And we do that. Yeah, I think this world would be a whole lot better place if people would quit focusing on everybody else and just focus on yourself and make yourself better. Yeah, take some time to reflect. And, I mean, I had to do that too. Take some time to reflect and think about what can I do to make it better? And if your name's Karen, don't change your name. Just write it out. I feel so bad for people who are actually named Karen. I know a lot of Karens. (laughs) And it's not because they're the mean Karen. They just, their mom or dad named him Karen, and I'm sorry. Okay, great. <laughs> Dude, do you not feel bad for them? Yeah, but it makes, they're my friends, and so it gives me a chance to pick on them a little bit, so. Yeah, you know. bust them up. Yeah, we just have some fun with it. But that's, that's okay. All good. That's all good. But hey, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, be ready next week for another fresh new episode, where I promise it will not be anywhere near that serious. <laughs> But just as unscripted, uh, this has been the Backpacking Podcast for myself and my cohort, Jeremiah. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next go-around. Adios, folks.